Hey guys, welcome to Gamerheads. We're back, and it is now 2021. So, uh, who's joining me this week? Phil? Nope, I took the week off. Matt? I'm actually here this week. Christian? I'm actually here this week, too. (laughs) And I'm actually here this week, also. All right. (laughs) So, we have a great show for you guys today. We're going to... Well, let's let, let's have a question. Just say you had six hundred dollars, and you could spend that six hundred dollars on anything gaming related, whether it been something new, um, older, even something rare. So, think about that. And I can't our- buy rare for six hundred dollars. They're more than that now that Microsoft owns them. Ooh, you know, <laughs> uh, could have gotten a deal maybe before Microsoft. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't think we could have gotten that kind of deal. Well, they were making some good stuff back then. Mm -hmm. But so keep that in mind, all of you listeners. And but before that, we're gonna go through and we're gonna talk about what we've been playing over the past, I don't know, three weeks, I think, since we last had an episode. And we're gonna start with Phil. Phil, what have you been playing? You didn't tell me you were starting with me. That's a curveball. You said Matt. You just threw in the you ruined everything. Okay. Um I'm back. Um, so over the course of the last three weeks, I've kept myself decently, moderately busy. I have finally dove into the power of the Xbox Series X and started playing some of the more, um, upscaled games. I've, uh, namely, I went back to Gears 5 to go and see how that looks running in 4K, especially now that they've got the expansion that's been added onto it, which I haven't even touched that yet. I keep getting distracted by multiplayer because... I'm a sucker for the multiplayer in that game. Every time I quit playing it and then I start playing it again, I go, why did I ever quit playing this? <laughs> super fun, super pretty, as always. I mean, it plays just like Gears, but it's it's amusing when you're joining a lobby because you can tell who's got the next-gen systems and who's not playing on them just by how fast they load into the game. Oh, there'll weird. be times that, like, yeah, we'll be sitting there and I'll be playing with, like, Kyle and Carrington and Kyle and myself are on Series X's and Carrington's still playing on an Xbox One and we'll make it into the game a good minute and a half, two minutes before he's even in there. And we'll all join at the exact same time. It's it's kind of crazy to see. What's uh, the player base like? Are most people on series consoles who are playing Gears right now? It looks to be about half and half, in all honesty, okay. because the lobby will be about half full and people will come trickling in. And it, it now tells you there's an update that'll tell you if people are partied up to. Like, it'll have them grouped A, B, and C if people are in a party together. And so, like, sometimes you'll see, like a person from group B or whatever come in and then two more people will join a minute later. Same type of a thing where you know that they're joined, they're coming from a last gen console. Pretty crazy to see. Interesting. Okay. Um, outside of that, I took a big leap and I've heard a lot of good things about the game and it was on sale already for some crazy reason. Christian, I know you've been playing it as well because I saw it on the PlayStation 5. Gosh damn uh, it, Phoenix Immortal Rising. Yes. <laughs> I am absolutely enamored with this game at this point. I'm not really far into it. I'd say a good 15 hours just chipping away at Aphrodite's portion of the island. It's gorgeous. It plays really fun. Like any kind of an open world game, there is some repetitiveness. If you're like me and you don't go do the quests and you just go and get all the treasure chests and do all the challenges and stuff like that, then you go, okay, it's been three and a half hours. I should probably go grab the next of Aphrodite's tears. And then another three and a half hours later of just farting around and derping around in the open world. Um, I'm digging it. I think the combat's rock solid. The triggers being assigned for the attack button are kind of strange, but I've gotten accustomed to it. It's got the dodge parry system that we're all accustomed to via um, Assassin's Creed, the Arkham Knight games, anything that's had combat in it in the last five years has pretty much used the dodge parry deflect system. 
Um, outside of that, I've spent a lot of time with a little indie game that I'll talk about because I've got a feeling it'll be ranking pretty high up on my favorite games that I play this year, and that game is called Horus. Mm-hmm. It's a small, I shouldn't say it's small, it's 15 to 20 hours worth of a platformer um, made by two two people, I believe. And it's got some magnificent storytelling. It's got very unique physics in the game. It's a very emotional journey, and it plays very, very tight. Moderately frustrating as you get on with the game because the combat, or not the combat, but the platforming gets to just shy of that Super Meat Boy slash Celeste level of platforming where it's, it's infuriating, but you've got infinite lives, so it doesn't matter how many times you die. I adore this game. I've raved about it on the Nindy Focus podcast, and I will probably continue to do so until I'm completely done with the game. I've, uh, I've, you're like the third person to to rave about this game, and I just missed it on the recent sale, and I'm super bummed about it. But uh, yeah, I'm, you're not alone in in having such a positive experience with it. Yeah, if it goes on sale, definitely, definitely grab it. But I think that's about all that I've been playing, which will take us then over to Matt. All right. So I have two games. Uh, one of them is Summerlin, which I was reviewing for the website. Um, it is a small indie uh, game created by Connor Rush of Fire Games. Uh, and he's basically the sole developer of this. He's 19 years old. Uh, and it tells the story of Matthew, who has uh, – he's a, a detective um, who has awoken in a room with the, the words remain calm on the wall. And that the only thing in this room is a Ooh. phone. Uh, and so he's in there and, and the phone rings and he basically realizes that he has died and, and this is the afterlife. And the process is the person on the other line is the judge and you're going to relive eight key moments leading up to your death. And he, the judge will determine your fate, whether you lived a positive or negative moral life. Um, hmm. So you're, the, the game is, is going through these trials reliving these memories, uncovering more about, about yourself. Um, and then between levels, there are instances where you're asked ethical questions. Um, and so one or the other, there is no right answer, but that influences what your next trial may be. Um, and, and so it's really a great, a great little game checkouts free on steam. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the review is up on the website right now. If you want to go check it out, I also had the opportunity to, chat with connor a little bit and so there are a little bit of questions on the on the review uh him just telling us about the game the inspiration for the game and and what's in uh his future and the future of summerland so it's really cool uh game i definitely recommend you check it out it's not his first game either is it he's done a small handful of games too i think this is his third game all of them are free um this is the only one i've played but it's uh it's really great Have, have you played any of his other titles no but i'm super intrigued by the concept of summerland like the way that you you outlaid that it makes me want to go and check it out yeah i mean i was really enamored by it i i I was really uh it has some great voice acting and a really cool component of it is it's first person but none of the other characters that you interact with actually have a physical body they're just like figures of light right so you don't really get distracted by another model character and it, and you really get drawn more into the story and the voice acting is phenomenal um, i thought that they just did a great job of bringing out the motion the the storytelling without actually having a physical character on the screen to tie uh, that voice to I, I think it just does a great job of really bringing you deeper into the story and wanting you to push through each one of those trials to figure out you know how this inevitably ends i would assume there's multiple endings do you know about that 
so I read another review just trying to get an idea, and it seemed like uh, he and I had the same ending. Okay. So I don't I don't know for sure, um, but it's still a really interesting component. Those those uh, no wrong answer ethical questions that you're faced with, and uh, yeah, I think it really just adds to the story regardless. So Matt, you say there's no wrong answer. Is it pretty clear based on how the questions are set up, which answers are quote unquote morally right or wrong? No, 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 no. So, so one of the questions, for example, off the top of my head is like, are, are humans innately good? Okay. Yes or no. Right. So, but there's a whole lot that, you know, they position the story, they give you a whole kind of overlay of the theory around it. It's really well, it's really well written. And then it says, so, so inevitably are, are humans naturally you know good and you, you select a button and they're like okay interesting like let's let's go into the next trial so it's it's really cool it sounds like it's a pretty deep dive into the human psyche and aspects of the afterlife as well when it comes down to it yeah no yeah it really is and that and that's something that some people might be you know uncomfortable really getting into but i, I think this story really does a good job of of addressing the topic without getting too too deep into it. It doesn't like freak you out with any, you know, realizations of your morality or uh, lack of immortality. <laughs> morality, mortality. I knew what you meant. Well, the both of them actually in this con in this case yeah, wouldn't it yeah. be since you're definitely yeah. tiptoeing that moral line and playing with your own mortality as well. Yeah, that's what I was that's what I meant, I meant to say that the whole time. Good catch, Phil. I'm here for you. Okay. So well, another game. <laughs> Oh, what was, what was that? I'm sorry. I just wanted to know, how the heck is this guy feeding himself if he's giving away these supposedly high-quality games for free, man? I, I don't know, but he seems like a really great guy. Uh, really, really bright. I mean, to be 19 and this be your third game, and, and he gives a little a little background about you know why he wanted to d- develop Summerland, and uh, you can read more about that in the article on the website, but it, he seems like a really great kid, and I really look forward to kind of seeing what else he can produce in the years to come. If I remember right, Christian, I think he's a college kid. So I wow. think he's not to say living off of grants and things like that, but I'm assuming yeah. if he's cranking out games, he, he's got something else going for him where he's making sure. some money off of it. And I don't know, maybe if he puts a couple of free games out there that are pretty decently made, it might be a nice little foot in the door someplace bigger where he's no longer working for himself and for peanuts. <laughs> that, that is, they would make for one, for some heck of a resume builder. Mm-hmm. Um. Should I move on to my other game? Sure. Okay. So my other game is Rife. Um, another one I'm reviewing for the website. Um, it releases. It released on one fifteen, um, and it is by Mission Control Studios. Which this is an interesting uh, title as well. It's de- developed by a husband and wife team um, to commemorate their time in Thailand, which inevitably led to their engagement. And the Rife is set in a futuristic Thailand where mutant worms are infesting the city and and i would you know maybe the world in general um but <laughs> it is a first person shooter and you are a exterminator who has been contracted to cover up and get rid of all the worms before there's like a pr issue with these major companies um who develop the worms to end world hunger right so people eat the juice that these worms produce they've gone rogue your job is to defend the city first person shooter. And it's just as stay along, stay alive as long as you can. Uh, and what's really cool here is, you know, you'll die. You can go back to the main menu and there's a global leaderboard of who's been alive the longest. That's your, Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. 
uh, as you play, you collect pink gems. Um, once you've connect, uh, collected enough of these pink gems, your guns, which is a shotgun in the left hand and a plasma rifle in the right hand, will increase the rate of fire. Um, and also, as you collect pink gems, you unlock elements of lore on the main menu so you can learn more about why were these things created, what went wrong, you know, so on and so on. Um, and I absolutely love this game. Uh, I've put a lot of time into it, unlocking the lore. It's just really something that you can just grind away into for a little while um, and then just put it down, walk away. And it's really easy to come back and remember the controls because um, it's really so simple. That sounds uh, like it's got some depth to it, like as far as narration and storytelling goes throughout the course of uh, that as well. You're playing some deep stuff right now, Matt. You are absolutely wrong, actually, about right. There is no narration. There is no deep story to right. Well, you were saying it's like unlocking a, the lore and that kind of stuff, though. Well, yeah, I guess there is there is that, but there is no stopping and interacting with other NPCs in the world. You're in a small gotcha. map. It's, it's really like, like zombies in Call of Duty, right? So there's just different places where the worms will spawn and you're just running for your life. Um, an interesting tidbit is just a little bit ago, I received an email from the developers saying that in the coming year, they have release uh, releases for uh, multiple more maps, um, a friends list leaderboard, uh, possibly online co-op and couch co-op. All these things are being tested and, and developed. All will be free, uh, free oh, DLC wow. to download. Uh, currently there's three maps. Um, I'm not sure if they'll ha- introduce more weapons or anything, but it's a it's really great, uh, really great game, and I really look forward to see what else they can put out for it. Um, but it comes out on the fifteenth, out on the fifteenth, and it is on sale for seven fifty right now. So, um, and that's my two games. So I guess we'll throw it over to Christian. What have you been playing? Oh boy! So, <laughs> <laughs> every time. <laughs> Well, since we last convened, I finally finished Cyberpunk 2077. My thoughts haven't changed too much on that video game. I thought the first 10 hours, not good. Middle 30 hours, a lot better. Last two hours, probably pretty bad for about 75% of people, based on what I've read. I think I got what a lot of people consider to be the best ending, but also that ending is very particular to my character and my character's path and who my character kind of was and how I played my character. And because of that, I feel like if I played my character even slightly differently, that ending would not have been as fulfilling or interesting. And I have spoken with other people who have been extremely frustrated with the endings that they've gotten because the game doesn't offer them sufficient choices in the way that they thought that they would. So if you want to play Cyberpunk 2077, strap in for disappointment, but hopefully less so uh, if you wait six months from now when the game works right. <laughs> what are you playing it on? I played on PC. Okay. So I was able to leverage DLSS, Deep Learning Super Sampling, to play the game at a playable frame rate, thankfully. That didn't stop it from getting all buggy and weird, though. Do you see any replayability to it, Christian? I think there is a little bit, yes. Um... There's a lot of choices, a lot of dialogue choices, and they're actually somewhat meaningful. Um, as far as like character build stuff is concerned, it kind of puts a, it's it's treading into Fallout and uh, Elder Scrolls territory, where your character eventually just becomes a god of everything, and so you just poke things and they die, and. <laughs> 
Like you can't, you, the game doesn't force you to specialize in any one category significantly. So you could kind of get past that stuff. And so because of that, there isn't as much to be gained from starting a whole new fresh character and choosing to specialize in a different avenue. There is a little bit because you'll, the first like half of the game will be different, but yeah, eventually you can just kill everything pretty easily. Did you knock out a lot of the side stuff too as you were playing? I did, yeah. That's another frustrating point for me is like that those first 15 hours, a lot of the side stuff is just a lot of content mill. It's a lot of very much the same thing. It's like police call, solve the problem, kidnap this person, kill this guy, and then mission succeeded. You get a little phone call, good job, and then it's over. And there's not really like a lot of in-depth storytelling there. But then once you get to like the middle chunk of the game, there's some good side quests in there. There's your more typical CD Projekt Red, Witcher 2, Witcher 3 type side quests in there. But it doesn't do a good job of distinguishing between the two. As far as I could tell, the quest icons were identical between the -the run-of-the-mill police side quests and the actual meaningful side quests that actually have story content, which is just so frustrating because like the (laughs) Witcher 3 the last big game they did they did it better there was a one of the first side quests you run into it is very clearly telegraphed or like it's right in your path is one of the main side quests that you're going to be doing and it's just so phenomenal like you could make an hour long video just about that first opening side quest and how it sets the stage for the setting that you're in sets the tone for the rest of the video game establishes the lore and where the different races are in this world and racism in this world and all of that stuff it's just a freaking amazing microcosm for the rest of that video game and all it represents and in cyberpunk 2077 one of the first side quests you do a dude's holding his junk because it hurts and he got a bad penis implant so <laughs> oh man gotta love it but now that I liberated myself from my Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> chains, I decided to go down a Dead Space rabbit hole and play through a bunch of Dead Space games. Uh, oh. So now I am current on the franchise, but I can give you guys the cliff notes. Dead Space 1 is freaking phenomenal. Dead Space Extraction is a Wii rail shooter prequel to Dead Space 1. Found it surprisingly great. Would recommend it if you come by it. Dead Space Mobile. That is a video game that takes place between Dead Space... Uh, One and two. Good luck trying to find it. I had to um, find some janky uh, APK file online and install it into my Android phone in order to play it because the game has been listed or delisted from all storefronts and is listed as not supported for any current phones. But if you can find an APK out there, you can play it on Android, but I wouldn't really recommend it because I thought it was not good. (laughs) Speaking of not good, Dead Space Ignition, the PS3 360 downloadable Uh, game. I thought that one was pretty bad. It's also a prequel to Dead Space 2. I don't know why I played through these games. I just felt the need to because of that freaking stupid gamer guilt that I'm stuck with. But then I was finally able to play Dead Space 2 and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But then I got to end it all on a sour note by playing through Dead Space 3, which I thought was pretty darn bad. Yeah, it was a little flat. Have you played some Dead Space in your time, Phil? Oh, yeah, I played 1, 2, and 3. 1, 2, and 3? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh and I Phil. think I played Ignition as well. Did you? If memory serves me correct, but I'm really low on memory capabilities, so oh. there's a chance of maybe not. Dead yeah. Space 3, was the you could play that one multiplayer as well, right? Yes, sir. Did you dabble into the multiplayer at all? 
I didn't play a lick of it, unfortunately, Phil. That's like uh, Gears of War. When I played through the Gears of War games, it's just me sitting at my desk alone playing through a video game in 2020 (laughs) (laughs) and or 2021. I wish I did, though. It seems like it would be at least more entertaining. I mean, anything's more fun with a friend. Exactly. Because I remember playing through it by myself and playing through it co-op with somebody else as well and enjoying it a lot more when it was co-op. But again, you've got somebody to sit there and BS with the entire time that you're playing. So it's it's always a little bit more enjoyable. Totally. You have any history with the Dead Space franchise, Tim? No, I don't. I've heard a lot about them. But, uh, yeah? Have you been tempted at all? A little bit. Um, I don't really... It's like I need to get back or I need to get into those kind of games. Like even like... Yeah, this is gonna sound terrible, but I really haven't even played any of the Resident Evils or any of that stuff. I kind of just missed out on all of it. No, so that's how? okay, Tim. There's a couple of those that are skippable as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot of Resident Evil. <laughs> I would hate myself if I set out to play all of those. Have you played all of them, Christian? No, I have not. I have played you one, two, don't three, four, five, six, to. and uh, seven is on my backlog. That's all I played. No Code Veronica, no Zero, no Outbreak, no Raccoon City, whatever. Yeah, stay away from Raccoon City, whatever. <laughs> um, but the Raccoon. two that they did, you liked Raccoon City? No, I have not played it. Oh, I thought Tim just said he did. No, I said, oh, I like I'm that. sorry. Did you, Tim? No, no, I said I like that tagline, Raccoon City, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, the two that they did, Revelations, I want to say, were the two that they did yes. that were originally on the DS. Those are fantastic to play through. They played just like the original... Like, like the quote-unquote original Resident Evils. They're, they're a lot of fun. Ooh. Those are worth checking out. And they go Mike on sale quite those. often, too. Yeah, Mike does. Yeah. And Seven's a good time, too. Seven's a nice throwback to just scare the hell out of you the entire time that you're playing with that intensity level being ramped up. And yeah, I enjoyed Seven. I really wanted to play it in PlayStation VR, but I'm kind of old, and I'm not sure that my heart could handle playing that game in VR. Yeah. No way. I couldn't handle that nope. either. No way. <laughs> Like, never. You couldn't pay me to play. (laughs) (laughs) Do you dabble with survival horror at all, Matt? No, absolutely not. (laughs) I've played too, too many VR horror games. I'm I'm the jumpiest person in the world. I don't don't want no business of that. Mm -mm. Yeah. No, thank you. As we derailed it, I'm sorry, Christian. Uh, What else have you been dinking around with? No. uh, the, The big one. The big one since we last convened is that I spent 120 hours, 100%ing, platinuming, and finishing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Wow. Jeez. Wow. It has crossed off my list because uh, I did uh, Watch Dogs Legion uh, right. not too long ago, oh, a few yeah. weeks ago. And so I got Assassin's Creed Valhalla soon afterwards, and it was like, all right, after Legion is done, I got to do Valhalla. Because after Watch Dogs 2, way back when, I think I did um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey soon afterwards. So I think I've played through every main Assassin's Creed except for uh, Rogue, which was the PS3 360 one mm-hmm. that came out the same time that Assassin's Creed Unity did. What a nightmare of a franchise Assassin's Creed is. But anyway, uh, I was looking forward to Valhalla as someone who liked Origins and was very pleasantly surprised by Odyssey and liked it even a little bit more than Origins. I was extremely disappointed by Valhalla. I liked it less than the previous two by a pretty considerable margin. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, Not a fan. 
Not really a fan. I was really excited because Odyssey had me all built up. I was really excited after Odyssey. Odyssey is just freaking insane. Like Atlantis is real. You're Pythagoras's kid. There's a staff for immortality and your real world character gets handed this immortality staff. You're going to do God knows what in this world with this immortality staff. And then Valhalla picks up with you just being plugged into the Animus again and you're just another person again. And then your real world character just gets sidelined for uh, another no name guy. And it's just that real world storyline was very frustrating because the way Assassin's Creed works, you got, you got the, you got the timeline stuff. So in this one's it's Vikings in whatever time period. Cause I'm really bad at history despite playing all these Assassin's Creed games with my mind turned off. <laughs> and then You've got real world modern day where there's like this apocalypse happening and all this crazy stuff. Mumbo jumbo. Do you think anybody actually enjoys the real world segments of the Assassin's Creed games? Like I completely shut down every time those parts kick in. Yeah. They've, yeah, totally. They seem to have definitely distanced themselves from that stuff for the past few entries, Mm -hmm. but it seems like the more they distance themselves from that stuff, the more I see the silent or the, the loud minority in the comments section being like, anyone else here miss the real world stuff? Thumbs up if you miss the real world stuff, guys. And it's like 100 thumbs up or whatever. I don't really? know. You can't win. You can't win if you're making an Assassin's Creed game, as far as I can tell. Like, I don't see the need to continually connect things to the big, the big picture of modern day. Just keep telling us these stories of these assassins and times. Leave the real world crap out of it and or i should say the modern time stuff out of it i understand that's where the entire series is rooted out of i've played through all the main ones myself as well with the exception of odyssey and valhalla most of them at 100 as well and like every time i get sucked back into the real world portion of it i just i just want to get up and walk away and let it go on to autoplay somehow and come back when i'm back into paris or wherever that the game's taking place yeah interesting and the unfortunate thing is that now all the real world stuff is is like walking around a little bit and then just reading emails if you actually mm-hmm. want to know what's happening is you're just going to read e- emails on a computer how exciting is that yeah it's, very it's garbage is the answer but the actual like content of valhalla it's just so long so long longer than odyssey which blows my mind i spent like <laughs> 102 hours on odyssey and this was even longer I wanted it to end. I wanted it to stop. (laughs) And my problem is that I couldn't stop until I did every single check mark on the map because that's how I got the trophy to say that I did every single check. Because there's a check mark and you have to go grab it. This is why I love and hate sandbox games. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The side quests in Valhalla are weird in a way that's very strange. (laughs) It's amusing, but very weird. For example... One of the side quests in Assassin's Creed Valhalla has a woman screaming for eggs and she wants snake eggs. So you kill snakes, you gather eggs, you give her the eggs, she eats them and she does a big stinky green fart and then she laughs. (laughs) Quest complete. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. There's always one of those. There's always one of those. (laughs) Or there's another quest where a man is very stinky and he doesn't want to shower. So you have to force him to fall into a lake so that he's not stinky anymore. But he has a bunch of stinky boxes in his house that will kill you. So you have to destroy stinky boxes. Oh my gosh. So from what I understand, Vikings smell bad. Yes. 
very bad smelling in England. Yes, that is that is the theme here. Just very bizarre. Like it's funny, I guess. Right. You know, like if you feed eggs to a woman and she farts while you're running around as a Viking, I guess that's funny. But it also <laughs> like where's where's the interest? Where's the heft? Like I don't. It doesn't really say anything about a about a world if a woman farts. You know, I don't. I don't get a lot from the setting from that. I don't get much other than like being very weirded out, but I guess props to them for just going wild with yeah, all of those side quests. Yeah. It sounds like it's just there just to be there to almost throw you <laughs> lack yeah. of, or I don't mean to pun intended, but like to throw you off the scent of the main game. Ah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I d- didn't know how else to <laughs> phrase it. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, main game is also, I don't know, so just it is what it is. They try to throw some God stuff in there, and it's trying to be really cool and awesome, but I thought the way Odyssey handled Greek mythology was way better than the way Valhalla handled Norse mythology. Gosh dang it, what'd you guys do this time? <laughs> that was frustrating. And then, like, the combat wasn't very fun. I just equipped dual daggers and then stunlocked everything to death, and so it was just mindless. Just turn the brain off and then tap the buttons and then kill the thing and then move on with the video game and there was these one side side activities they are stacking rocks right you know those like meditation rocks where it's like a stack of them Mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about so you'll walk up to this like rock and then it'll be like oh stack the rocks up this high and oh i just wanted to yank all of my hair out every time i saw one of those because they make you stack them so high but the gravity doesn't work and the physics don't work and the rocks like slide all over each other. That's not how rocks work is way harder. I wish I could do it in real life. I just want to stick my hands in there and stack the rocks myself (laughs) because that would be way easier than just fumbling around with this control stick and trying to rotate the rocks very slowly and come in a cumbersome manner when I just want them to balance for two seconds so I can hit the button and end that stupid game. Very frustrating. Do you at least get good stuff for doing it? Uh, I don't even know what you get for it, Phil. <laughs> I don't oh, know what, no. what the game gives you. I'm trying to remember, but it's coming up blank. Which means it's Thor's nothing hammers. all of that important. You get Thor's hammer for stacking rocks. <laughs> no, no. You find Thor's hammer in like a corner of the world somewhere. It's like, that would be the most silly thing ever. <laughs> you stack a bunch of rocks. Here's Thor's hammer. <laughs> Go have it. Gosh, dang, Phil. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> what it does for you but i can't remember i think it might give you like a tiny little bit of xp that's another thing i'm not a really big fan of in valhalla is a skill tree because it's this like web it's this web of like 400 nodes and every single one gives you like plus two percent to something and it's never significant enough to feel like you're actually making meaningful progress and all the other enemies scale with you anyway so what does any of it matter and not as good as the actual meaningful skills that you would get in Odyssey Origins. Just really disappointed in Valhalla. If someone else is coming to Valhalla fresh, not having experienced some of the other stuff, you might be pleasantly surprised. But I was unfortunately disappointed. Sounds like you've kind of had a brutal month of gaming. Does. Hey, but now I'm playing Immortals Phoenix Rising, and hopefully I'll be able to have it finished by the time we talk about things on the next podcast. Nice. But that's it for me. Did you already go, Tim? Oh, nope. I guess it's it's leaves. Hey, it's your time to shine, Tim. It's my Please time do. to shine, and I got a couple of shiners right here. So um, what have I been playing? I have been playing 
um, a bunch of games, mostly online multiplayer type stuff. I'm, I checked out with some buddies um, the new uh, the Need for Speed uh, rema- uh, Hot Pursuit remastered. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good. I missed out. It's it's actually a remaster of one that came out in 2010, and it was made by Criterion, which is the guys that made Burnout. So yeah, which I love Burnout. And when I played this game, I'm like, wow, this is basically if burnout and need for speed had a baby, this would be the game and the game's amazing, which I'm sure a lot of people already knew about because it's been out for 10 years, but <laughs> I'm loving it. You know um, what criterion does now, Tim, what do they do? The last thing they did was the flight mode in battlefront two. Yay. Really? Oh, wow. Yay, sure is leveraging their unique and talented studios. Wow. for great things. Oh, it's terrible. I, I didn't realize criterion was did that. That's, Mm. Oh, yeah. Ba- I mean, Battlefield Two, Battlefront Two. I'm sorry. Oh, Battlefront Two. Yeah, that's what I meant. Oh, well, you know, it's playable. It, <laughs> no, it is. Honestly, it's fine. You yeah. know, but um, I mean, I Burnout. Like, I love Burnout Paradise. I played oh, the, oh. the crap out of that game. That's one of my favorite racers of all time. Oh, so good. And and that <laughs> thing's been released too. and remastered and everything. Oh. I I bought it three times. And have you really? Uh no twice twice sorry I bought the, I had it on 360, and then they remastered it and added better frame rates and stuff and mm-hmm. I rebought it on the one so no twice I kind of want to get it for the Switch but I don't want to spend fifty dollars on it because that's no. ridiculous that where you can get it for like fifteen on any other system but right but no, I kind of I kind of want them to come out with Burnout Paradise on PS5 just so I can get more trophies. God, that'd that be gorgeous be. on the PS5 right? or the Xbox Series. Oh my Series. gosh. Holy yeah. crap. Well, I don't, like, it's already native 4K, I'm pretty sure, in 60 frames per second on PS4 Pro oh, wait, and Xbox oh, is One it? X. So I don't know if they can really do much more, but I just ravenously devoured that game when it came out for PS4 because mm-hmm. I loved, the, loved it on PS3 so much. And uh, the PS4 version of Burnout Paradise Remastered is my first and only platinum trophy I got on a video game's release day. Oh, wow. Wow. That's... Wow. Damn, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> I like Burnout Paradise, also, Tim. You're speaking my language. That's so awesome. All right, that's really cool. Yeah, no, that's that's one of my favorite games of all time. That's one that you you mention and like, fortunately, like like you, it's like there's people that just they love it, and other people just either have never played it or just don't care. Unfortunately, totally. That's one of my favorite racing games of all time. So yeah, I haven't played that recently, but I kind of want to now. Uh, dabbling in overwatch here and there i got most of the holiday skins and um i got the new this past tuesday they did a a new map but it's it's a free-for-all like basically a deathmatch map not a not a team map and there's a new there's a skin for hanzo that you get for uh nine wins which we got the first night we played wow did you really yeah i believe about halfway on that it's funny because uh, my buddy, my buddy uh, Johnny, that's on the Retro Blist and a bunch of podcasts that I, I guess, starred with them. I got him into it, and because um, there was a free trial over um, break, oh, that's right? Yep. So, so I uh, was like, you know, because he asked me about it, and I'm like, you know, I, it'd be cool. And I, I told him, I go, there's a trial if you want to play. So he's he he's got the fever now. So it's like back. So he likes to he wants he plays a lot. So I jump in with him. And Phil, we've literally had nights that we've played, just say we've played 10 games. We've lost nine out of 10 games. The <laughs> next game, the next day, we'll play 12 games and we'll win 10 out of the 12 games. 
and it's but like that's Overwatch. It's it's absolutely yep. crazy. It's we, streaky. It is. It is. We do the quick play where you pick your role and but wait, we because uh you know and it's fun for me too and like because he because he's still pretty new so he wants to check out characters so I just go quick play classic and we just pick whoever and we just have fun and win or mm-hmm. lose. I mean it doesn't really matter but but Overwatch has been a lot of fun lately too. Um and then. I guess I'm going to tell you. So apparently this game has a mythos online and is a big old meme. Have you guys heard of Garfield cart? <laughs> uh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so new year's night, I'm playing with my buddy, Trevor, who was on the retro bliss co- podcast with Johnny. And we're playing, uh, cause crash team racing had a, um, had a free trial on the switch. So we're checking it out and everything. And basically we're just looking for games that we could play like online online compatible games and we're looking and you know playing mario kart crash so obviously the next obvious choice was garfield kart was on sale i mean that thing reached it retails for 29.99 and i spent i think 8.99 on it yeah it's uh, i don't know i'm trying i'm gonna try to the best way to describe garfield kart it's it's a broken game but playing it with friends, it's almost it's worth it if you're just gonna play with friends. I, I would imagine you basically just go Mystery Science Theater three thousand on it as you're playing it with friends. Then basically, that's kind of what happened because it got to the point where we were talking about it, and next thing you know, uh, we're downloading it and we're playing it, and it was just one of those moments. And then we're texting. Our buddy Johnny saying like, "Hey, you got to download this." He's like, "I'm absolutely not downloading this game. <laughs> you guys are crazy." But then eventually, he ended up getting it. And then when an- another buddy of mine from Twitter, he saw me playing it, and he goes, "Dude, what's up with this game? Why is this aim any good?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> he goes, "Well," and he's and he and this is my boy uh, Gamer Kratos on um, on Twitter. And he sends me a, a, a message with the uh, with a gif of uh, Oscar the Grouch saying, I love trash. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not going to tell you not to buy it. I'm going to tell you not to spend $29.99 on it. But if you're really interested. In it. So imagine, imagine a PlayStation 2 in high definition graphics, because that's basically the graphics. They're not the worst. They're not the worst. It, it, the graphics lend to the um, the property. They look like cartoons. One of the taglines is 16 iconic garfield locations and (laughs) apparently iconic garfield locations consist of his neighborhood which is probably the only location that would be even remotely garfield but there's deserts and factories what haunted houses i didn't even know garfield left the house see (laughs) it's like the kitchen counter is yeah okay we've got two Sometimes he was on the stairs. No, you remember that time he went to like, you know, the, de- I think there's at least two desert levels. There's actually 16 tracks. Um, there's, there's cup races. Now this is where it gets really, it really wants to be Mario Kart. There's some things the game is, it's not terrible at you. You're, you pick a character and you pick a car and the combination of the car and the character is kind of like gives you its quote stats, whether it's acceleration and stuff, you can unlock things like hats and you equip your character with a hat that'll give it a bonus to certain items that you can use in the game. Because like Mario Kart, instead of shells, it has you throw pies at each other. <laughs> and instead of a red shell, the pie has a little antenna in it, so it homes in on you. Ooh. Um, there's a thing, there's, there's, a, there's a, a pillow 
which puts everybody to sleep, kind of like the lightning bolt. But the problem is when you're put to sleep, you'll like, if you're taking a corner next to a cliff and you go to sleep, you'll drive off and <laughs> into oblivion. Um, there's, uh, there's a bunch of stuff. I, I, I mean, I, I actually, I'm going to admit I've put more time, like I played that game more than I probably should admit I actually played. But, <laughs> but, but it's kind of blanking now. But when you boil it down, it's got the normal 50, 100, and 150 cc's. Or was it 200? I don't know. Maybe I'm going to say it's 150. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, the game is broken because at, at 50 cc's, the game is too slow. And at 150 cc's, the tracks aren't designed to handle the speed of the car. So it's <laughs> almost like they don't stay on the track. At 150? Yeah. Um, see, oh, I, I, no. I, I saved a video on Twitter where my character got stuck to a <laughs> rail and like it went, he, they went like sideways and like it, it's ridiculous. But yeah, no, it glitches. They, it actually prompted them to do a whole episode on Garfield Kart because we played it so much and would joke. It became the joke for like a week. Uh, everything, <laughs> everything was Garfield Kart. So they actually did an entire episode on it. So I told them that I had to shout them out, Retro Blist, Johnny and Trevor, Garfield Kart, first episode of 2021. Check it out. Because um, they shout they shout me out a lot on it because it was kind of a fun thing to do over the weekend. Nice. But um, my last part about Garfield Kart, and I have to stop talking about Garfield Kart because it's not good. But so... It, when it went off sale, it, w- it was $29.99, went on sale for $8.99. For about a day, the eShop was showing it at $39.99. <laughs> and, and, and then the joke was, wow, like four people bought it. So they're like, oh, God, we got this. We're <laughs> going to. And then now if you look on the eShop on uh, the Switch, it's back to $29.99. And yeah. I, I don't buy it. It's just, <laughs> please don't buy it. Anything, e- e- even if anything I said remotely, like, you know, this is a trash fire. I want to experience it. Um, watch a video or wait till it goes on sale because it'll probably go on sale a lot because it's not even a true sequel. Apparently, it's a game that came out over 10 years ago that they just kind of tweaked a couple of things on. Oh. But it's basically the same game. They, they, I forgot exactly what the details are. But, but yeah, that's Garfield Kart. And so next time I'm going to talk about probably better games, but <laughs> Garfield Kart, I should say. I might talk about Garfield Kart. Yeah, so <laughs> we gotta we gotta we gotta get Garfield Kart trending. Um, but do yourself a favor, look up reviews because none of the reviews are. I wish I, I don't have examples. I didn't pull anything up. The reviews are not legitimate reviews. They're ridiculous things. Or like one of them is like, my wife came back. Ten out of ten. Garfield Kart. <laughs> and one of them starts off with like you join our John Arbuckle, Confederate soldier, and a journey to dot dot dot. And it's like it so that and and if you go online, this game has like a nine out of ten. <laughs> yeah. But it's not because it's actually real. It's because people apparently made it and I can see it because I'm talking about it way too much. <laughs> so that's a perfect segue. So let's go into the main topic of our episode so uh six hundred dollars phil if you had six hundred dollars that you could spend on anything gaming related new old rare if you could walk in the store one thing two things ten things what are you getting well my answer changes well it changed it's going to continually change because that's just the way that my brain works 
My original thought was if I wouldn't have scored my Series X, I would be buying a PlayStation 5 and Miles Morales Spider-Man. Boom, my $600 is gone. Especially considering there'd more than likely be shipping involved. Well, I'd probably grab a second controller as well. There, now my full $600 is gone. So then I started thinking, all right, let's be realistic about this. You're going to get a PlayStation 5 someday anyways. You're not going to spend your $600 on it. If you had a free $600 laying around, what are you going to do to fulfill some of your gaming needs and desires? Because we all have them as gamers. We've got things that we want that we just can't seem to justify spending the money on or what have you. And my thought was, I'd like to go in and fill out some of those systems that I've never owned. Take a small trip down eBay and Mm -hmm. see what I can grab, where I would then procure myself a Sega Saturn since I've never had one of those. Which would probably be a nice $200 buy from what I was gathering, $150 to $200 buy. What games would you get with it? That part I really don't know because I don't know too many Saturn games. Yeah, But I'm sure I'd have to, I'd probably buy one game because it would cost me $100. (laughs) it's true they might i'd say nights into dreams but you can get nights remastered i believe on multiple systems so there's no point in going down that isn't the original panzer dragoon on there yeah it is that's going to be probably 150 Mm -hmm. 200 dollars so that might take (laughs) out 400 of my dollars right there between those two the the first two panzer dragoons are a little less than 100 dollars. the third one is called panzer dragoon saga apparently it's an rpg that one's like five to six hundred dollars on the side and well, the hell with it. I'm not even buying a Saturn. I'm just buying that and walking away. That's what I would do. <laughs> that's not what I would do. That's not what I would do either. But the Saturn would fill in that really big hole that I've got, which I think would then have me owning every Sega system with the exception of a CD. But I don't really feel the need to get a CD, and I could probably get one of those for cheap too. So then I've got to slide over to the Nintendo department. And the only Nintendo system that I think i've never yeah definitely the only nintendo system not including handheld that i've never had is a wii u because those never went on sale period all the way up until their dying death knell even when they were sitting on store shelves forever with six inches of dust on them hell they're probably still in walmart's where they still sell madden 16 75 dollars because it's walmart that's just what they do they don't know how to mark things down i would definitely go and grab a wii u and probably an extra controller for that as well And then grab some of those Mario games that I'd never really had a chance to play that were on the Wii U. But I think the last one for that is the one that's now coming out next month on the Switch. It is. And that game's amazing. See? Now, maybe I'd even get that on the Wii U. Just say that I have it on the Wii U. But I think that's probably about where my $600 would go, is just to be to get those two systems and a small handful of games for them to fill in those gaps that are on my shelves of just emptiness. That's what I got. It sounds like a great plan, Phil. It does. No, it's a terrible plan. They're both garbage <laughs> systems, and that's why I don't have them. You know, <laughs> the Wii U, I've been using my Wii U uh, more than average, but I use it for Wii U stuff, but also for Wii stuff because it's a raw HDMI input for Wii. Exactly. And then also uh, GameCube stuff because yeah. if you jailbreak your Wii U, you can play GameCube games natively on it. So but I still have my GameCube. A raw HDMI hookup to your game. That part's true. Hmm. All right. Yep. Definitely getting a Wii U. <laughs> Which I think brings us to Matt, where Matt's six hundred dollars are going to stimulate the video game economy that needs so much stimulation because it's just been on nothing but a huge upswing for the last ten months. Right. 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 So <laughs> I also had I I I'd started out going down Phil's path of filling out old consoles and stuff, and I looking on eBay and oh, there's a two hundred dollar. Uh, Halo edition, original Xbox, like lime green see-through is awesome. I decided not to go that route. I decided to go high-tech, let's pimp this game room out. So for $225, you can purchase 
a next level racing GT light foldable simulator racing chair. <laughs> Whoa. Jeez. What would you primarily play with that, Matt? Oh, I don't know anything. I Forza. <laughs> it, I mean, at that yeah. at that point, I would Garfield never play Kart. another game other than <laughs> racing. For two hundred and fifty, you can get a Logitech G nine twenty dual motor feedback racing wheel and feedback pedals Jeez. for my chair. I like the sounds of that because the feedback would mean there's probably resistance in them too. Have you played with any of those before? Have you ever used a steering wheel with the feedback? I have not. It no. is amazing. Like it is like you can feel the the road and the car wanting to correct itself. Like if you're hydroplane, you get that sensation in the steering wheel. It is. I was reading reviews of this dual motor feedback racing, and this guy said in real life he was driving down the highway and he started hydroplaning, and he said the first thing he thought of was Forza. And what was he supposed to do? And he says, I think this steering wheel saved my life because I basically <laughs> practiced for this situation. That's awesome. Is this so, for Xbox? Oh, they're for everything. They, they like uh, on Amazon, you could toggle back and forth between PC and PlayStation and Xbox. Holy crap. What's the compatibility like? Is it most racing games that just work out of the box? I think, I mean, I played it on Forza Horizon. I mean,. Uh... Uh, down the street my buddy has a setup he doesn't have a chair he has it just on a, like a appropriately level like tv tray but are there yeah, pedals involved I mean, yeah he's got pedals down there yeah but i mean that's what the rig's for with my my 600 mm -hmm. video game stimulus uh, so that leaves me 125 dollars uh so i would go with the like a turtle beach stealth wireless headphones for 99 i need a nintendo switch travel case so it's 15 and that leaves me like 10 bucks. So I'll probably get like some Taco Bell or something on the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With your trunk full of goodies as you eat on bean burritos. <laughs> that's awesome, right. Matt. Yeah, that's my plan. Christian, what's yours? Oh, mine would probably be a screen purchase. Screens give me anxiety. I need to know your guys one at a time. What? What's your primary video game situation? Are you guys couch TV? Are you guys desk monitor? What's the situation? You go first, Tim. Tell me. A bit couch TV, basically. Couch TV. Yeah. Beautiful. What about you, Phil? I'm couch TV as well. A nice oh. big 65-inch 4K, about 15 oh. feet away from my couch with my night or end table next to it. Yeah. Couch TV. What about you, Matt? Oh, uh, yeah. Also couch TV. Probably a little too close to my TV, but I don't think you can ever be too close. Agreed. <laughs> I'm so jealous of you guys. Oh, 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 man. I wish I had a couch TV setup, but the problem is, is I play too many video games. So it's probably not good that I'm hogging the TV, you know, for <laughs> 18 hours a day. So my setup is a uh, desk monitor and that's where All I right. play everything. That's where I play yeah. PlayStation, PC, Switch, GameCube, whatever it is, it's on my monitor. And I also have like a second monitor set up. So if I ever need to look anything up, it's just boom right there. I can look at it right on my second screen over there. Or I do a lot of podcast listening and a lot of uh, YouTube video watching. And my audio feeds are all hooked together so I can hear everything at the same time through my headphones, which works really well. But the screen situation is a whole thing. Because I've, I've got a 4K HDR TV just sitting there but it's not <laughs> plugged into a console. Instead, my PS5 is hooked into my monitor. And How so, big's your monitor? It's, so recently, 
I upgraded, you see, from 1080p to 1440p. Mm-hmm. This was a big decision. This was a couple months ago, uh, a few months ago now, because I had to get ready for the PlayStation 5, and I still only had a 1080p monitor, and it would not have taken advantage of any of the bells and whistles of the PS5. So I figured, uh, whatever, I'll see what they got. I got like some Dell 32-inch monitor, 1440p, for like 300 bucks on sale. So it had HDR, but HDR sucks on PC monitors. The HDR on this monitor sucks. And it's also 1440p, but it has 120 hertz refresh rate. And so okay. that's another thing that I wanted. But it's a, it's a mess right now. It's a mess. It also has free sync support, which is another thing I wanted. So that's variable refresh rate support, but PlayStation 5 doesn't currently support that yet. Hopefully it will someday. And unfortunately, that variable refresh rate support does not work with my NVIDIA graphics card. So bad, bad mismatch (laughs) here. Buyer's remorse. I'd like that $600 if possible to go to a good screen. I would like one that is HDMI 2.1 compatible. Because you see when I was getting this this monitor, (laughs) I spend way too much time just sitting there staring at stat sheets, looking up YouTube videos (laughs) about what does and doesn't work, figuring out refresh rates looking at monitor like specification documents to figure out whether or not I can plug a console in and it'll work right. So my monitor right now is only HDMI 2.0. So what that means is because the PlayStation 5 does not support 1440p for some reason that I'm still upset about because I purchased the monitor before it was announced that the PlayStation 5 would have 1440p support. So I went out on a limb and bought 1440p monitor because that's what I want. I want 1440p high refresh rate. I do not want 4K if I'm going to be sitting this close, if it's on a desk. I don't want 4K, but PS5 doesn't support 1440p the way Xbox does. So as a result, all I can do is either play at 1080p on this 1440p monitor. Oh, that's, that is all I can do is play 1080p on this 1440p monitor. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> on the plus side... The PlayStation does recognize that it has 120 hertz support, thankfully, because it's HDMI 2.0. So I can play things at uh, 1080p, 120 hertz where applicable, but that's only been one video game so far. So I want a monitor that's got the good colors. It's got a good response time. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started on response times because I went from a 1080p TN panel, so we're talking one millisecond response times. We're talking no smearing. We're talking one millisecond gray to gray. No settings have to be enabled to what is now a four millisecond response time monitor, and that's only a special settings are enabled. So you get pixel overshoot, which is this nasty smearing if you get that high. Otherwise, you can turn it down, and if you turn it down, you also still get nasty smearing. So it's just bad news all around. I just want, I want what you guys have. I want to be able to just sit down, relax, play the video games without worrying about the screen that they're on, knowing that they'll look their best. <laughs> so what did you find for a monitor? Could you find one for 600 Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Right now, the man- monitor landscape is just a wasteland. Right now, it's waiting until people make monitors that work with PlayStation 5 and Series X because that was clearly not the case. At least with PlayStation 5, I'm still baffled by the fact that that does not have 1440p support. I will be upset about that to my grave. It does sound to me like you and I kind of played the same chicken and the egg game. Like, Because I was just sitting there with a the 1080p TV for the longest time. And I'm like, well, I really have no need for a 4K monitor because yes. I don't have, or 4K screen because I don't have anything that plays in 4K, so why bother getting it? 
So I sat there and I stared and I stared. I'm like, there's no point, but look at how beautiful this TV is. And it's only $750. Yeah, Phil, but you don't need it because you don't have anything that plays 4K. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put this off again. And then all of a sudden we get about two months away from launch day of new systems. And Phil said, you know what? It's time. And that's when I went up and bought myself a new TV. Nice. (laughs) I came home, my girlfriend looked at me. It's a decent TV. Good. It's not like super high end. It does 120. It does 120 hertz and it's 4K and it's 65 Ooh. inches. It's 65 or 70 inches. So I mean, it's nice and big. I probably, it, I, you can tell that it's definitely a better TV than the last one. But I came home with it that day and Rachel looked at me, my girlfriend, and was just like, you seriously just went and bought a new TV. And I was like, yeah. She's like, why? You've got a perfectly good one here that's 65 inches. It's only like four years old. And I'm like, but it doesn't play 4K. And she said, you don't have anything that plays 4K. I said, I will in two months. <laughs> <laughs> and it took three. <laughs> uh, do you get go down the, these 4K rabbit holes, Tim and Matt? Uh, no, I don't. I, I mean, I, my, I know my TV's 4K. It was a big one from Sam's Club. I mean, I don't. It plays what it plays. It looks how it looks. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a nitpicky kind of guy. Totally. Are you, Tim? Our our current TV is good. Uh, it's not 4K. I we I got like a Sony Bravia. It's probably about three or four years old, and it's it's pretty good. Um, eventually, you know, when I do, I'm gonna definitely upgrade when the time comes when we get a new system or something. Ooh. But for now, those TV manufacturers have you right where they want you, Tim. I was gonna say I'm curious, like what 4K TV sales if they bumped up right around the time of new systems because everybody else is like, well, they play in 4K, oh. systems play in 4K. We should probably go buy a new TV. I wonder if TV sales saw a bump. Wouldn't be surprised, and because 4K is it's it's very affordable now. When mm-hmm. before it definitely because I don't you know when I bought the TV that we have now, I mean I don't even know if 4K was a thing or if it was, it was not affordable for at the time. Right. right. I wish I didn't care. I really wish I didn't care. It would be so much easier. And there's also the whole audio and speaker situation, which don't even get me started. Don't get me started on receivers and whether or not they have HDMI 2.1 support and whether or not they actually do, whether or not they just say they do. Right. (sighs) I would imagine if you're playing on a monitor, do do you do most of your gaming with a headset on? Yeah, yeah. Nice high-end full stereo surround, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, yeah, but the... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why I feel the need to have the ability to play games on a TV at the highest quality possible, even though I don't do that often because I'm broken. <laughs> Thank you. For well, I mean, games. But like you said, if you've got somebody else that's in the house, you can't just yes. hog the TV for 18 hours at a time. Like, unfortunately I do as well, but thankfully <laughs> we don't have anything like cable at our house. So we do all like uh, streaming services and stuff. Yes, and so right. my girlfriend watches like all the TV that she wants to watch just on her computer streaming and doesn't have a complaint Ooh. in the world that I sit there and hog the TV. Like I got a very ideal and lucky situation with the way that it all played out. Ooh. I like this, Tim. I might have to employ some psychological tricks so that I can be <laughs> in the same <laughs> you are. <laughs> oh, what about you, Tim? What would you spend your 600 bucks on? Base- kind of what Phil started saying, um, kind of I went through used... Uh, eBay sold prices as well as price charting. Uh, try to mm. fill because I have like random older consoles, but I don't have many games for them because they're just not to buy for. Like, and it's really funny you mentioned Saturn because that's one of the first things that came to mind. I do have a Saturn, but I don't have many games for it. And so um, I chose a Saturn game. It actually wasn't very expensive, but just Daytona USA Championship. Ooh. Yeah. Because I love Daytona USA and 
other than maybe the Xbox Arcade, which I don't even think you can get on the one right now, there's like no ports of it Wow. on the modern, which is so weird because Daytona USA is such an iconic game. So that's on there. I have an Atari Jaguar, but I don't have Alien vs. Predator for it. So, And that's one of the best games on there. What the heck do you have for Atari Jaguar? Uh, not much. Um, Wasn't I, there only like 32 games on it as well? There was, I think there's more than 30, but less than 100. I don't remember exactly, but I don't have that many. I have the uh, the game that came with it. Now I just, I can't even remember what I have. Basically, <coughs> basically um, about 15 years ago, almost 20 years ago now, early 2000s, I got a Jaguar with like five or six games in a box and everything for like yes. $70. Wow. And that's the only reason I own it because right now Atari Jaguars are like two hundred plus dollars for whatever reason. Are they really? Yes. Yeah. And so are and Saturns are pretty like you saw Saturns are up there too. But the thing is, buying a Saturn console is nothing. It's when you try to buy games for it because a lot of the yeah. games are really rare. And I'll have to I'll have to talk about the Jaguar at one point and see what games I, I go because unfortunately, uh, lack of room and stuff. A lot of my con- those kind of consoles are kind of just boxed away unfortunately because i don't have room to display them all do you still have a crt that you keep out for that stuff i I do have a crt in in the room i'm in there's actually a crt behind me does it have a vcr attached to it yeah there is a vcr in this room too yes i have a 25 inch crt with the vcr attached to it that i do some of my like retro gaming on (sighs) yeah that's yeah we i mean this room needs cleaning and stuff but eventually this is going to become like my retro game room once i get off my butt and do something (laughs) so that's two things so that those two games alone all right so daytona was 30 dollars, and i'm going complete in box too i mean because loose would be cheaper but i go complete in box now alien versus predator is about 115 dollars that's a big one that's why i don't own it uh then um just because i love ghostbusters i've mentioned it before and i don't and i own uh, various Ghostbusters games on most consoles I own. I do not own Ghostbusters for the Atari 2600, so I want that just because it's $29. That's uh, really not too bad. No, complete in box. I would assume that's with box, too. Well, according to price charting, yeah, but the thing is, if I go on eBay right now, I can't get a complete in box copy of Ghostbusters for $29. Right. Because oh. I'd probably get one already. The other one, I don't know if you guys have played it, but it's PAL only. It's actually called New Ghostbusters 2. Um oh. It's, uh, you, you, you actually, they're like chibi looking and you control both Ghostbusters. You can pick one of, um, the five, actually there's, there's, there's five of them and the NES version, I believe there's all four Ghostbusters and Lewis. And what you do is the A button, I believe shoots the, shoots the beam and it stuns the ghost and the B button, the guy behind you throws a trap and catches it. It's uh, Google it. It looks, it's awesome. It looks really cool. It's uh, called New Ghostbusters 2 on NES. If you've ever tried Ghostbusters, just playing Ghostbusters 2 on the regular game, on our North American Game Boy, it's kind of like the same thing, except for the Game Boy version doesn't have Lewis. It just has the four guys. But I think the game is, the gameplay is similar. Okay. So I want that just because it's Ghostbusters and it's an actually a really good game, but that's also expensive at $74. Yeah. Then what else do I got? Just because I, just because I never owned one as a kid and because they're so bad, I kind of want a power glove. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to go Virtual Boy on that for a second. No, you know what? Uh, virtual Boys uh, go for over two hundred dollars. So I was Jeez. like, no, because I actually yeah. looked. I actually looked because Virtual Boy is, pro- is the only Nintendo quote system I've never owned and okay. I don't own now. So yeah, but they they went crazy, and I remember at one point they were just basically giving them away, and now they're expensive. And then what else we got here? One I for the Atari seventy eight hundred Ninja Golf. I don't know if you guys have heard of Ninja Golf before. No, but I need this game in my life now. Oh my God, you got to Google. Ninja Golf is amazing. It's a side-scrolling game where it merges golf and being a ninja. You basically, <laughs> you hit you hit the ball. Like it shows like a, like a golf course and you have the little line that you choose where you want to shoot the ball. But then after you hit the ball, you have to walk there. Oh my and gosh. It's, it's like a side-scrolling <laughs> game where you're punching other ninjas that are trying to get you there's giant like beavers coming at like caddy shacking out of the ground trying to get you and that's just on the grass now the environments change if you go through the water you're literally punching sharks in the face and you're yes uh, and then I'm watching, I'm watching gameplay now. This looks amazing. It's so good. It's just it's There's a dragon. Yeah. Yes. The, and ninja stars. Yes. Do you you guys recall the like the um, bonus levels in Shinobi where you're like mm-hmm. shooting? Mm. Picture that. There's a giant dragon that looks like the dragon from a space harrier, and you're you're strafing back and forth at the front of the screen, shooting it with uh, ninja stars. <laughs> it's um. It's one of the rare. It's one of the rarest games for the the seven eight hundred, and it's it's over a hundred dollars. Otherwise, I'd have it too. Because yeah, it uh, popped up on my feed on eBay. Sealed inbox, authentic, one hundred and seventy nine on eBay. Yeah. <sighs> so I mean, and I have a. I mean, I think there's only. I don't remember the exact number, but there's only just over seventy actual carts for the seventy eight hundred. And I own most of them complete in box, almost 30 of them. But most of the ones I own are the more. There's like, there's like four or five of them that are like up there, like very rare. Um, And Ninja Golf is one of them. I have played Ninja Golf via, um, you know, the ways you can play games. (laughs) (laughs) And I found it in a list and on something and I played it and I got hooked on it. I'm like, this is amazing. And D and D was watching me. And she's like, "What are you playing?" I'm like, "This is Ninja Golf, and this is like the greatest thing ever." And I'm just like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever heard of." Only you know Atari, you know, melding two things together. Um, so that's Ninja Golf. I'm glad to educate you guys on Ninja Golf because that's really awesome. This is life changing. It's so good. It's it's so much fun too. Then to finish uh, for another system I own, don't have a bunch of games for. I put Space Harrier 3D. Because I think I talked about it last episode, the master system I got, I actually have the 3D glasses you plug into it. And so this is Space Harrier, but you use the 3D glasses and the game's in 3D. So I'm like, because I have space, I have regular Space Harrier for the master system. And it's one of the games, probably the game I played the most when I had, when I used to play them, when the master system was hooked up when I was a kid. And then Space Harrier look on master system. Is it pretty close to our arcade? Ah. no, no, the arcade definitely looks a lot, looks a little, ni- looks a little nicer, but it's, it doesn't look terrible. It's like eight bit, eight bits, uh, space Harrier. It plays very well though. The game plays very good. Mm-hmm. Good. Cause I love that space Harrier is a great game. And, um, and then to end it, um, I chose because I've always been curious. I kind of want an Atari Lynx 
So oh. I put an Atari Lynx on there for 126. I believe that's just a console, not the complete in box. And then I chose a couple of games for it: uh, Chips Challenge and 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 Zybots. So, does the Lynx gobble up batteries like the original Game Boy did? I, I you know what? I don't. I've listened to podcasts and heard people talking about them, but I'm trying to think. I I. I don't know, to be don't honest. Know. I've never tried it, but I know from experience that the Game Gear definitely did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was almost on my list too because I think I mentioned <clears> before, <throat> right? I, for some reason, I have four or five Game, Be- Game Gear games, but I don't have a Game Gear. So, randomly, oh. I don't know where I got them in a lot of games. when I I'll bought. trade you a Game Gear for a uh, Saturn. Ooh. I'll, to, I'll <laughs> get back to you on that. I'll get to get back to you on that. But yeah, so... That's it. That's my list. All of that stuff um, added up to six hundred dollars. Solid list. It was pretty. Yeah, I just it was fun. Fun coming up with that stuff. I was trying to think. I was trying to get trying to think more outside the box. I'm like, oh, maybe one of those arcade one up things. And I'm like, okay, well, basically those one arcade one up machines would almost be the entire six hundred dollars. I want a little bit more variety. But those are pretty cool too. I tried looking around for a theater of magic pinball table for six hundred dollars, but it turns out those things are like two grand unless they're absolutely wrecked. And I don't want a wrecked version of a theater of magic. I want an actual one. Mm. What's theater of magic? Enlighten me. Uh, it's my favorite pinball game of all time. Just the way that it plays is insanely easy to accomplish all of your like quests and tasks and things like that. There's a big rotating box on the left hand side that's your skill shot. If you hit it three times, you can activate a trick which will involve hitting spinners or loops or things like that. And it's all based on magic tricks. And of course there's voiceover. There's a voice guy that comes over the the speakers and tells you what's going on. And it's, um, it's wonderful. It is available also on pinball FX. They've got a, a version of it as well, which is an exact replica of it. And I play oh. the absolute bejesus out of it and every other table that's on pinball FX. If you're a pinball guy, pinball FX is the way to go because oh. they don't just have like all their weird license tables. Like their Star Wars, their Marvel, their Fox tables, Fox being like Family Guy and South Park and that stuff. But then they've also got like remakes, like authentic remakes and remasters of the original tables going all the way back to the 60s. Oh my wow. gosh. That's I need to cool. get in on this. Where is, where is Pinball FX? Is it like on pretty much every can, console now? PC? Yeah, you can grab it just off of your PlayStation Store or your Xbox Store. It's, it's right oh. there. And I think it's, it's free to install and you get yes. like three tables with the free install, but then you got to buy like packs of three tables i want to say are ten dollars but those also go on sale quite frequently where you get three tables for six dollars or for four dollars okay it's crazy to fill in the gaps and i want to say there's maybe 102 tables on there now wow there's a lot of tables it was one of the first things i installed when i got my series x i'm like i need my pinball effects how did you learn about this theater magic pinball table did you play it in person a lot so let's take you back into the wayback machine when i was in high school Yes. We used to get ourselves fifty-two. Nice... Hey, come on. <laughs> it would have been I'm like kidding. 92, maybe 93. 93, 94 it would have been. And there was a gas station probably three blocks away from our high school where we used to walk over during our lunch break and we would partake in activities on our way there. We'd grab a couple of hot dogs, throw some jalapenos on them, eat hot dogs and sit there and play pinball. And they'd rotate the machine out with other stores in town as well as like there's a truck stop in town that has three or four pinball tables in it as well should say that was in town. Don't know if it still is, but, and like different places around town, we just rotate in and out like Terminator, Star Trek, Indiana Jones, the world cup table. Um, Obviously theater magic, Adams family. Like we just used to go and hang out at various different places and play pinball. And they had theater magic at the mini mart by the high school for probably three months. And it was just a quarter eater. And a friend of mine named Troy, 
who I hope is still with us. Um, he was just, he was the song pinball wizard could have been about Troy. He would sit there and play off of his quarter. His first ball would take him almost our entire lunch break. We just get pissed off when Troy came with us. Cause we're like, we didn't even get a chance to play Troy. Awesome. Now we gotta go back to school. Sometimes we'd end up missing fifth hour because Troy was with us at lunch. Sometimes we wouldn't. Uh, yeah, that was our entire high school career. We'd, we'd go hang out at laundromats and play pinball just because it had a pinball table in it. Like, yeah, what's down at what's down at Magic City Laundry this week? And so we'd go down and we'd head down there at 2 o'clock in the morning because it was one of three places you could hit a pinball table at at 2 o'clock in the morning. We'd sit there and pop quarters and watch weirdos come to wash laundry. A lot of good stories came out of that time. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had your childhood. I mean, I was a teenager, but yeah. That's yeah. still childhood. You do until you see the 300-pound naked man that's washing all of his clothes at the same time in the laundromat. You look over and realize he's washing every article of clothes that he owns, including the ones he walked in on. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> it's a true story. Like, we turned to look like, just like, oh, God, he's naked. <laughs> oh, no. Nice. Wow. You oh. should write a book. Take oh, the yes. laundromat. A memoir. <laughs> Yeah, same with the truck stop. Truck stop is a weird place to hang out too, but they had three pinball tables at the truck stop, so we just what? go and hang out at the truck stop. They had pinball tables at truck stops? Mm-hmm. Oh, Phil, where have these been all my life? I'm sure it's the same way still. It's mine at North Dakota. I would imagine they still have pinball tables there. Ooh. Road trip. And we had an Aladdin's castle in town, and they had five or six tables in it. For a city of like 35,000 people, there was probably 12 to 15 pinball tables scattered throughout the course of the city, including in the bowling alley as well. Good Lord. Wow. Yeah, man, we played a lot of pinball. Dang. I, my parents had two pinball tables in our house, so I grew mm-hmm. up with playing pinball in the house. But it's just those two pinball machines that I know. And so whenever I'm put in front of a new pinball machine, it's like sensory overload. I could just sit there for like 10 hours. Oh, and it's super intimidating too when you get in front of a new table. Oh, yeah. Because you're not sure what's going where or what you need to hit to do anything. And the ones these days are just so full of blinking colors and lights. And especially like the Star Wars tab- table as it plays like clips from the movie and stuff. Jeez. Man, I love pinball. <laughs> oh. It's fun. Wow. I love the uh, growing up, the, the mall had a little arcade thing. My favorite pinball table growing up was the Jurassic Park one. That mm-hmm. one was a lot oh. of fun. Yeah. That was. What Jurassic Park are we talking? What kind of era? Oh, like it came, like around the movie. So I'm thinking 93, 94, Ooh. maybe. Yeah, the so original, just the original Jurassic Park. Yep. Got it. Yeah, it was good. It, it had, you know, voice samples and stuff. But back then it was it was the screens with just the, the dot matrix or whatever. Yeah, the dot matrix, the <clears throat> bright orange dot matrix. Yeah. Yep. But like 50 or 60 dots by 10 dots or so. And yeah. everything was all popped up like that. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was a fun table. That's the one. And then I, I've tried the, the newer, like brand new, um, uh, Ghostbusters machine just mm-hmm. is amazing too. But, but unfortunately, even before the, the, the times right now, there's really not much for game places around where I live oh. anyway. And there's no arcades and everything, unfortunately. See, in Minneapolis, we've got a lot of arcadey types of places, and a lot of bars will just have pinball tables in them as well. We had one actually at the restaurant for a long time. And then we've got a place called One Up, where you go in, you give the guys $10, and they give you a big handful of tokens, and you sit there and you bang it out. They they sell beer and they sell food there, and you hang out and have a good time. And, and then there's Up Down, or I'm sorry, yeah, Up Down's the one that's got all that kind of stuff. We've got a couple of different places where it's just like a lot of pinball. Tilt is the name of the pinball bar as well, where it's nothing but pinball tables. Minneapolis is a great spot for arcade games. And like up down is nothing but like 1980s, early 90s machines as well. So it's all one token and you're playing Burger Time and Popeye and Space Invaders. And 
the original punch out and turtles in time and the x-men game and the simpsons all that kind of stuff is there minneapolis is sweet when it comes to like a gaming scene jeez never would have known you're blowing my mind yeah (laughs) you guys ever make your way up here i'll take you on tour thank you phil (laughs) (laughs) now that was awesome so uh i guess um if you that that probably about does it for tonight's this week's show um first let's go around and see where everybody can find you then i'm going to hand it over to phil and christian to end the show so phil where can people find you i am at twitter at be now 23 and matt uh on twitter at gamerheads underscore matt and christian i'm at christian kubza on twitter and be on the lookout the socket youtube channel will soon have a dead space three video nice Ooh, nice so i can complain about it some more yay <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and uh i'm also on twitter under the handle great say a man 81 and tim you are super interactive on twitter so i mean obviously if anybody's got anything reach out to tim tim will gladly talk to you yeah absolutely Tim's yeah. like throw me under the bus you asshole no it's good <laughs> I, I post on twitter and try mm-hmm. to get the, the talkings on. Yeah, you can you yeah. can reach out to me, and then when I don't know um, what's going on, I'll just send it Phil's way. And then oh, we'll, yeah, great. Perfect. We'll go from there. Nailed it. Yep. Just get a bunch of swear words thrown in your direction with a little <laughs> bit of insight in the middle of it. Well, on that note, Christian, huh? Yeah. Yes? How can people reach us on Twitter? Twitter at GamerHeadsPC. And if somebody wanted to email us, how would they go about doing so? Info at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. And what would our Facebook page be? Facebook.com slash Gamerheads Podcast. And if anybody wanted to download episodes of this, the Real Dudes Podcast, the Indie Focus Podcast, Controller Throws Podcast, or Bells and Roses, what website would they go to to also read our reviews? Gamerheadspodcast.com. Nice. Never gets old. I didn't say that. <laughs> nope. I think we, that's our best one we've done yet. Yes, it is. Good job, Phil. I don't know. That's all you, man. No, you tee it up. All right. We'll take it. That's it. Everybody, uh, I'd like to throw a thank you out to Mike at TC Throwers for the idea for this episode. It was, yeah, it was a fun one. Yeah, yeah it was a great good. it was a great topic. And who knows what the next topic will be? I'll we'll probably come up with it a day or two before. So uh, <laughs> so thank you guys for joining us and everybody, hopefully everybody's doing well. Stay safe, game on, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Later, guys. Take care. <laughs>